Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm joined with lecturer at Yale University and climate research, Wake Smith. Welcome and thank you very much for joining me. A very kind of you to have me. <laughs> so uh, your recent book, Pandora's Tollbox, was published in March. And in this book, you talk about climate integrations and climate change. What are the highlights in your book that people should learn? I suppose the the story, more or less as short as I can tell it, is that um, getting to net zero is, in my view, going to be much more difficult than I think most people realize. There's uh, more optimism today than I'm afraid is justified about how quickly solar and wind power will carry us to the promised land. And at least if that prediction proves true, if if, uh, it is true that the transition to net zero will be difficult, then it will also be slow. And if the transition to net zero is slow, achieving net zero will not be the end of the climate crisis. It will merely be the end of the beginning. After we get to net zero, we will find we have a lot of continuing climate problems that will require other solutions because we're already at net zero, so we can't get to net zero-er. And so the book primarily discusses what those other solutions are by which we might ameliorate our continuing climate problems after net zero. Right. And what are the most important measures that governments should take to achieve net zero targets? There's no silver bullet in this battle. There's only silver buckshot, by which I mean there's lots of little things that we must do, not one big thing. But there are there are lots of things. Uh, Of course, we do need to build out wind and solar as quickly as we can do it. And and, and, uh, that is going well. What people are generally unaware of, though, is that 80% of the world's uh, primary energy supply still derives from fossil fuels. The growth of wind and solar haven't dented that one bit. And you can ask, well, gee, how can those two opposing things be true at the same time? Wind and solar are growing. How can they not be gobbling up share in our energy pie? The problem is the pie itself is still growing rapidly. The world consumes more and more energy each year. And uh, nuclear energy is not growing in absolute terms, which means it's shrinking as a proportion of our pie. And so wind and solar first have to grow fast, as fast as the pie, and they're doing that. And then they have to backfill the non-growth of nuclear before they begin to eat into the share of, wind, of uh, coal and gas and oil. And the point is that hasn't happened yet. So we're, uh, we do need to accelerate wind and solar, but they're not yet 
um, to the point where they're reducing fossil fuels. We absolutely have to reduce fossil fuel use. And if we've got to do that faster than wind and solar can fill the void, what that's going to mean is, is uh, less energy use somehow. And the easiest way to do that is to put higher uh, carbon taxes on energy. Uh, that will be very unpopular. But the fact is we're unlikely to be able to solve the climate problem without undertaking some uh, sacrifice economically. It will be, there will be expense to doing this. It won't be free. And the world is broadly unprepared for that. People are prepared for uh, climate measures if they're pretty much free or if they cause pain for someone else. But undertaking climate measures that cause pain for me, mostly no thank you, please. Um, uh, I'm uh, here in Paris today, uh, the um, uh, city after which the Paris Agreement is named. But this city two years ago when I was here was rocked by the Gilets Jaunes uh, set of violent protests, um, which all started because of an energy tax uh, uh, to try to uh, fight climate change. So um, the, the world isn't yet uh, to a point where it is prepared to make real sacrifices on the altar of climate. And yet that's going to need to be done. Um, so yes, we need uh, new technologies and governments can play a significant role in funding those new technologies. Um, but there is some sacrifice uh, that is going to be required upon it, the part of everyone uh, if we're going to cut back uh, our use of fossil fuels and other uh, uh, services and processes that require uh, uh, energy. We're going to have to to change our lifestyle in ways that won't be uh, comfortable for everybody. Yes. And until the world squares with that, I'm afraid we're not going to move as quickly as we need to on this agenda. Okay. And so, as you said, so a lot of people are not prepared for the changes to climate changes. And but still, a lot of countries have passed laws to achieve net zero by 2020. So do you think that net zero targets will be achieved? I'm sure you meant by 2050. Yes. Um, and I'm afraid that I am a skeptic uh, on those. Um, in two ways, at least. Uh, firstly, countries have, and the UK being a very brave one, uh, mm -hmm. have passed uh, uh, net zero uh, pledges, and in many cases written them into law and all of that. Uh, those countries, mostly in Europe, that have done that are the moral leaders of the world in this issue, for which, uh, you know, they deserve great credit. But again, I'm not clear that voters really understand that this is going to cost them. And so I'm afraid that um, uh, when the cost of some of these pledges begin to uh, be in evidence, um, there may be backward steps that countervail some of the forward steps. Uh, I worry about the emergence of a sort of brown populism uh, whereby people push against the green agenda uh, and say, I, I didn't think this was going to cost me money. Uh, I want to go slower on climate. I can easily imagine that. 
Um, but I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I, I um, hope that instead countries such as my country, the US, follow the moral example that many European countries are setting and put themselves on a uh, mid-century net zero plan. The other reason though to be skeptical or at least um, cautious about that is that until the whole world gets to net zero, nobody's at net zero. Um, greenhouse gases are super well mixed in the atmosphere. So emissions anywhere affect climate everywhere. In this way, greenhouse gases are not like particulate air pollution, where if we wanna clean up the air over London, uh, we can uh, um, uh, shut down nearby factories, we can reduce the amount of driving in central London, and within a week or two, the air is much cleaner. That, that is doable with air pollution. Uh, climate doesn't work that way. So if virtuous Europe gets to net zero by 2050, but India and China and Russia and the US and the Middle East aren't at net zero, um, Europe will still have approximately the same climate problem it was going to have if it didn't get to net zero, because again, this is such a shared uh, good. Um, so uh, even if uh, Europe is able to stay on that path, we've got to get the rest of the world on that path. And P.S., um, for developed countries, this is something that one can imagine doing perhaps. This is maybe a sacrifice that we're reluctant to make, but maybe we can afford to make. There are lots of developing countries who will say, no, 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 no. Until I eliminate poverty, I'm not worrying about cutting back on energy for the basis of climate. Um, uh, and so uh, in much of, and P.S., it's the developing world in which the bulk of the global population will live, already lives today, and that will be even more so in 2100. Um, so <clears throat> it's a long, uh, arduous road to net zero for the whole world. Okay. And so do you think that um, developed countries can help countries in, that are developing right now with climate change? Excuse me, um, they can. Um, and um, <clears throat> certainly a way they can do that is to develop the technologies that make moving to net zero cheaper for themselves, but also for everybody else. So um, uh, it's, it's likely that most of the technology that enables this um, <clears throat> flows from the developed world to the developing world. Um, but but the, the another type of help that the developing world would like to have in this regard is for the um, emissions cuts to come first in the developed world. After all, we're the ones who uh, created the bulk of the historical problem. And from the standpoint of a developing country, it would be perfectly justified to say, you guys mitigate first. You're the ones who have created this problem historically. I'll start mitigating 50 years from now after you're at net zero. Um, that's a sort of help that the developing world would like to get. I'm afraid that'll be difficult to sell to voters in Yorkshire or 
uh, uh, Iowa. <coughs> and so uh, the developing world does need to take the lead. But in the end, this is a uh, an issue that the whole world is going to need to find a way to cooperate on. And as we witness uh, tank battles, uh, uh, you know, uh, breaking out in Eastern Europe, the sort of cooperation that is needed on the climate uh, arena, in the climate arena, is a little difficult to imagine right now. And yet we've got to uh, imagine it nonetheless. And so, and just last question. So do you think that the next climate change conference, COP27, will be successful? No, um, uh, I don't think, um, well, it depends on what successful is. Yeah. It will be another uh, opportunity for uh, people to get together and try to convince each other to undertake sacrifices that I myself am not willing to undertake. Um, uh, uh, and uh, it will be an opportunity to sort of hold a mirror up to the world and, and try to get the world to uh, look carefully at what it is doing and make changes. But the cops haven't yet, by and large, proven to be places where countries actually make decisions and, and undertake big steps. Um, the uh, climate problem is a long-term one and each cop is at best a little step in the right direction. So um, I don't think we should have particularly high hopes for any cop, but if we want to make a global change over the span of a century, uh, having an annual forum where we get together and at least assess where we are is a, is a service to the world. Okay. Great, thank you very much, that was all. Very kind of you to have me. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.